0: Safety podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez.
1: I'm Steve Edelman.
0: And today we're going to talk about theatrical integrators and installers. And we're joined by two really special guests, Chris Barbie, VP of Sales and Integration at Bandit Lights, and Brian Phillips, owner and president of Productions Unlimited, Inc. This is a real Southeast podcast today guys. Uh, Brian is located near me in South Carolina and Chris is located over in beautiful Knoxville, Tennessee. So yay, go y'all or something. (laughs) Anyway, so theatrical integrators, which is a little bit of a limiting title uh, and also not really well known in the industry. Although I'm sure that most of you have either worked with one of these people or benefited from their operations. So Brian, go ahead and give me your elevator pitch of what is a theatrical integrator.
2: Theatrical integrator is a group of people usually assembled as a company uh, that uh, specializes in the design and installation service of theatrical equipment in a installed setting as in a performing arts center, uh, all of the equipment that is there and ready to be used when the touring show comes into the building. So stage rigging, uh, the installed sound system, uh, the installed lighting system. Uh, Sometimes it may also include some specialty rigging, um, orchestra pit lifts, things like that. Um, It also may be in a church. Um, All of the production equipment that's resident in a church permanently installed, or in a museum, um some retail environments, um some uh specific music venues and of course uh amusement parks. So
0: And arenas. There you go. Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Not too much. I think he
3: covered most of the the venues. Uh it's it's really kind of branched out to even more, you know, the arch entertainment type things and you know, amusement parks, but also themed attractions. You know, standalone type uh, situations, and uh, then just um, a lot of what what we have been doing uh, is exterior lighting. So it's it's a whole other. You know, it may be a building in a, in downtown New York, or it may you just never know what what people have dreamed up that they want to light or to to do a more theatrical. Um, treatment of their their facility.
0: Awesome. So something that's interesting we're going to talk about OSHA for a second guys. In the live events world when we are putting together a show be it a touring show or a convention or whatever we fall under the construction standards for OSHA and then when we get to performance time we fall under general industry. The interesting thing about theatrical integrators is that they basically live in the world of construction. Most of the time they are installing things in new construction or during a major renovation or things, not exclusively, but a lot of the big projects tend to fall in that. Because of that, many theatrical integrators have stayed working the entire time of the COVID-19 pandemic because construction has been viewed as an essential industry. Therefore, I wanted to ask you guys, how has working through the pandemic affected your operations? And if you wouldn't mind talking about some of the uh, procedures you've put in place as the information has evolved. Chris, let's start with you.
3: It's been, uh, it's been pretty challenging um, for, for us because of the projects that we had going and where they were. Some of them were put on hold. Some of them continued. Uh, some of them you know, got delayed even you know, drastically um but you know we we had two projects in manhattan um going when the when the shutdown, shutdown occurred and we have now finished both of those projects uh although they have not really opened per se um and the big challenge there was uh as we were as they started to ramp up the the projects paused for a month and a half or two months or so up there. And then they started ramping back up and they wanted us to be on site. And so as we started to try to navigate that, uh, we had a plan in place. We had, um, guys all lined up. We had booked travel and New York implemented the the quarantine, um, for the state of Tennessee, uh, their, their list of states that you couldn't travel to New York without spending two weeks in quarantine. So, uh, I I gave a pitch on a conference call to a team of people about how we were going to manage this and how we were going to do it. And one of the project managers for one of the other companies got and said, you obviously didn't see the news this morning. I said, what's that? And he said, Tennessee got put on the quarantine list this morning. I was like, great. Well, everything I just said, forget about it. (laughs) Uh, We'll get back to you in a day or so. So... um, you know that that forced us to to rethink uh we picked up some local labor in um in New York because there was a lot of it sitting around <laughs> so it it that worked well um and uh we ended up flying one of our guys uh up there and putting him outside the city for 2 weeks in a hotel room and he spent 2 weeks in a hotel room did not leave brought all of you know groceries in and everything and he tried to keep himself occupied as best as possible. He did, uh, 8,000 steps in one day, um, at eight steps across the room. So Ugh. that gives you some idea of, yeah.
0: I'm sorry, that sounds so, that's awful. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, so then, and then, you know, once we got to the point where we could actually work on site, then you also had, you know, uh, the COVID restrictions there and, uh, most of the sites that were the the two primary sites that we were working on there uh, had um, uh, temperature checks as you got to the site. They did a QR code questionnaire thing to verify that you hadn't been exposed, you hadn't been tested, all of those things. And unfortunately, even when those are in place, you have people that even though they've answered the questions and done all the, th- you know, the things, they somehow miss the fact that you know, yes, their wife has been tested for COVID. And oh, yeah, she got tested positive last night. And I've been working on the job site for the last three days. And it's like, that would have been good to have like, checked the box of do you know anybody that? Yeah. But um, so, so much of it is personal responsibility. But then for us, it was making sure that our that our guys were comfortable and our guys were safe and that they were doing you know, that they were okay with the job site conditions. And we were very lucky, we had two very, very good general contractors um, that were very sensitive to um, the, the workplace uh, um, needs as far as safety and, and uh, COVID. Um, the both sites were shut down at least once for exposure and they sanitized and everything. So doing, doing all the things that they, they needed to do.
0: So one of the things about the pandemic that I've just found both interesting and frustrating is how it's different in the same country in all the different places. Uh, in the Southeast, of course, uh, we've mostly had very limited lockdowns and uh, fewer restrictions. Uh, Brian, I know you primarily work in the Southeast, although you ship things all over the world. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with your projects?
2: Sure. Sure. Uh we've had a few projects that got shut down when, you know, they discovered that someone on site was positive and they maybe shut the the job down for a week or two or over the weekend to do heavy sanitizing. Um, but for the most part, none of our projects that I can think of have canceled or delayed. Um, so we have been working all during this, um, both in the office, in the in our manufacturing and in the field doing installs. Um, one thing that's completely dropped off seems like is service work. Um, we just not getting the service calls that we used to because, well, nobody's using their equipment, so they don't know if it's working or if it's not working. Um, as schools started to come back online, we got a few more service calls. Um, but uh, for the most part, our business shifted from expendable sales and rentals that we do on the side of our systems integration and our systems integration is what's kept us going during this whole thing um and to be honest we've been very busy um, it, it's pretty crazy nothing really stopped or slowed us down like chris saw in new york that, that hasn't happened down here where, where we're doing most of our work um, we did have to put a lot of things in place so that we could do it safely. Uh, you know, we started um, with the hand sanitizer and all the vehicles and masks. And um, I was sending out daily briefings for about a month to all of our employees, just getting them the latest and greatest information that we could find and share with them. And so far, you know, we, we haven't had uh, any Uh, work-related cases, Uh, we did have one uh, case of an employee getting it outside of work, and she had to uh, leave work for about a month, but uh, the projects have kept going.
0: Well, I I hope she's feeling better.
2: Oh, yeah, that that was a couple months ago, and she's she's fine. She's back to work.
0: Excellent. So similar but different experiences between the two of you. Chris, I know that Bandit not only does theatrical integration, but you – staff tours and do a lot of rentals and things like that. I'm assuming that most of that business has dropped off a cliff.
3: Yes, pretty much. Uh, We, we've been fortunate in the national market um, that uh, there's been a number of locations that have set up streaming and uh, you know, doing video shoots and finding other ways to, to, you know, occupy people and, and get music out there and and uh, stay connected with the fans and everything. And so that we've, we've been pretty lucky there. And on the install side for us, you know, our, our New York projects delayed a little bit, but you know, we had a project in Dallas that was full steam ahead. It never, never paused, never, you know, anything. And so it, for the most part, I think outside of the, the larger market of, of New York, it, it, You know certainly on our side of things it just kept right on going which made it extremely difficult you know as i have said to everyone everything is harder you know when people talk about the pandemic and 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 that it's hard and that you it's not that it's hard it's every single thing we do is harder to manage to figure out to do the simplest things overnighting a package Timing things, you know, to get your gear there when your crew is there, when none of the, none of the uh, common carriers are honoring any of the guarantees. So you're having to pay for it, but they're not going to honor the guarantee and you don't know whether it's going to be there or not. So it, it shifted how we did things. We, we moved a lot to, to dedicated trucks and dedicated transportation to get things, especially when we were talking about getting them into the city so it's just everything's harder
0: (laughs) wow yeah um and and oh gentle listeners things will continue to be hard but there is light at the end of the tunnel if we can all just be really responsible for the next couple months three four five months depending on (laughs) magic and stuff um And science, magic and science. Um, (laughs) If if everyone behaves, we will hopefully be starting to give you guys service calls and rental requests again, maybe next summer. I don't know. I can't promise that, but that's magically looking hopeful.
1: Yeah. Let's put a kind of marker on when we're having this conversation. So as we record this, it is Sunday, November 22nd. So it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And- Right now, we are dealing with both Pfizer and Moderna having released really amazing press releases saying that their vaccines, their respective vaccines have both got more than 90% um, effective rates, which is tremendous. And as we sit here right now, the prospect is that those vaccines are going to start to be manufactured within the next four weeks, almost certainly going to, you know, medical professionals first. But the point for our industry is we now can see light at the end of the tunnel. And we can be really confident now that the light that we see is not an oncoming train, but is actually the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, you know, without Never. any of us having a fabulous crystal ball. I think we can safely say that by, I don't know, late spring 2021, that we'll be able to have live events, maybe start, well, almost certainly starting with outdoor live events, but, you know, indoor events will become more safe as more and more people get the vaccine. And so as we have this conversation in late November 2020, the planning For these events that are likely to start in spring of 2021, the time to plan them is pretty much now. Yeah. And that is amazingly hopeful.
0: Yeah. And I encourage everyone who's planning to to plan with restrictions in place. It's way easier to remove them. It's way easier to add more tickets than it is to say, oh, we have to cancel because we sold 3,000 tickets and we can only have 1,000 in this big space. So plan, plan responsibly, but y'all, we can almost start planning. It's amazing. Um, However, the caveat to that is right now, cases are higher in the U.S. than they've been at ever. Uh, Cases are up all around the world. And we're really hoping that everyone makes some really responsible choices over the holidays. As hard as that is, uh, please, please consider all those risks before you go and visit people in other places or even in the place where you are. Anyway, so I think I'm about done talking about COVID for now. I want to get a little bit back into the, you know, exactly how uh, integrators, system integrators are just so amazing for safety culture. Uh, So first of all, I know you guys when you're installing and creating those systems that you consider engineering and... Um, electricity and all sorts of the, the building codes and the fire codes and all the stuff that the rest of us are, have passing familiarity with, but you guys live in that world. Um, you also have to know things like how far you can run a cable before you get s- signal degradation over it. You know, so there's a whole lot of factors that go on. Um, I would love for you guys to talk a little bit about how you consider the end user and how they can safely operate in their facility as as you're planning their system. And Brian, this time, I'm going to start with you.
2: Um, I started out my career in this business as a stage and a technician um, using these systems that we now install. So, you know, I think, Every time I approach a new design or a space or a solution for a space, I'm thinking about how would I want it to work so that it would be easy, safe, um, and have a a long life so that I don't have to buy a new system, you know, 40 years down the road or something. So, a lot of my technicians that work here also started out in the industry, uh, working shows as stagehand uh, technicians on deck. And so... All of us try to focus on how to make it user friendly for the technicians that are going to be using the equipment uh, and safe for the technicians and for the uh, audience members uh, that are attending a show or, or seeing an event, um, walking through a museum. Um, but, you know, I think safety is key to everything that we do from an electrical standpoint, structural standpoint um we we want to provide systems that last a long time are safe and that we don't get callbacks for so everything we do is focused on making systems that are of a high quality and are safe
0: well on the event safety podcast we're hardly going to argue with that messaging <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is is the uh is the calculus different when you're building for an educational facility and i'm not necessarily talking the university market but some of the university markets where it's run by the music department you know like their recital hall spaces is is the calculus different
2: yes because in many instances say in a recital hall in a music building or on a middle school stage or uh, a non-arts focused high school uh you know it's the janitors it's the uh, assistant principals uh it's you know uh the substitute piano teacher that has to come in and and turn on the lights or uh, move a screen or or something like that so those spaces require making it very simple uh, to operate um, and making uh signage and things to make it very clear how this works or how that doesn't work and then often in those spaces where, Uh, The more professional level folks may come in uh, once or twice a year, then we'll have the ability for them to get into the system a little bit more and have the ability to tweak it a little bit more. Uh, But uh, yes, I mean, you do have to tailor the systems around your clientele or the the group that's going to be using
0: it. Yeah. Uh, Chris, do you have similar experiences?
2: yeah
3: it's you know a lot of the work that that we do is is split we do a lot of uh, permanent install uh, music venue um, type stuff and that most of those facilities are staffed by professionals and they they know how to operate the equipment and you know you see a much higher rate of chain hoist and truss kind of solutions rather than a you know, a a counterweight system or a, you know, uh, automated hoist system of of some kind. But that you kind of have to have those uh, folks in that space to to operate that because you don't want to just hand that to a janitor that doesn't know to, you know, check everything and keep an eye on it and make sure it doesn't you know, go sideways on them. So
0: that's supposed to sound like that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, you know, that's, that's a a big part of, you know, what we're looking at when we first start, you know, either designing a project, if we're doing it as a design build style approach, or if we're bidding on a job, you know, unfortunately there are a lot of, a lot of jobs that get put out to bid that you look at things and go, yep, that's not exactly how I would do it, you know? And, and uh, Mm -hmm. that's always kind of a challenge for, for Brian and I, uh, when it's, when it's something that we've seen that we go, yeah, that, that doesn't pass our smell test. And, you know, we're, we're told, well, the engineer signed off on that. And I'm like, I I get it, but that, that doesn't mean you should still do it, you know? So um, that, so a big part of what we do is is vet those things as we're going into it. Know your audience and what your the staff is going to be. If we're talking with a church, is it all volunteer staff? Is it, you know, do you have paid staff members that are technical, you know, production staff people? So it's very important to know who's going to be operating it at the end of the day.
0: I'm assuming you both provide training to those users.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And- And is that training ongoing or are you available when when staffing inevitably changes to train again?
3: Or that's a it's a it's a a bit of a challenge there because um, we depending on where the facility is and and what our you know what our involvement is with them a lot of times they'll have they'll have the turnover in their staff and and nobody's ever raised their hand i mean we're we're happy to happy to provide training and depending on where it is and and how we do that but it you know a lot of times we'll you know if it's something easy we'll we'll reach out to somebody in a in a local market and hey can you can you help us by going you know because it doesn't make sense for us to get on a plane and fly somewhere but you know if it's somebody down in spartanburg then we can call brian and say hey, brian can you you know and we try to do those things, you know, from the standpoint of, because uh, we all are find ourselves in those positions. So right. having that, you know, but if nobody raises their hand, then we can't, of
0: course, you know, if, if yeah. you don't know Richards that Chris means...
2: and I have done hundreds of projects and, and very often we don't find out that there was a change in staffing until two or three years after it happened when they have a problem yeah. and they call about it. So, <laughs> yeah.
3: They they found our number on the, you know, on some paperwork somewhere and call us and go, hey, we've got a And it's like, oh, yeah, we can help you with that. So, so.
0: well I, I have found all of my providers to be some of the best resources that I have, because y'all seem to know everything. And, <laughs> and, and if you we've don't our job,
2: Chris, we've fooled them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, if you don't know who else to call. Um, you know, maybe you call the the manufacturer instead of me because you have a friend there that can speak specifically to my problem. And I think that's that's a fabulous resource. And I encourage everybody listening to think about who's making your gear and who's selling your, your gear. A lot of times those are an untapped resource um, that can really save the day. Um, yeah. Not that I've called Brian at 1130 on a Saturday night yeah. saying, hey, something <laughs> I- <laughs> all right I'm i know that i called brian 11 30 on saturday night and said hey something broke and I have a show at 9 a.m yeah thank you Brian. well
3: I, we we've all been there i mean i i we were doing a, a permanent install project in uh long island a few years ago and uh we had a bunch of custom truss uh manufactured and we had one stick that came in that the the diagonals were going that had some custom you know pick points in it and the diagonals wouldn't match to be able to they basically they'd fabricated it upside down and so i you know i called jeff reader at, at clark reader you know at, at 11 o'clock on a on a sunday night because we had to keep going i'm like jeff how big an issue you know and so we we worked through it and figured it out you know but you know that's that's from the end user to to us when we're installing. You know when you see something like that, it's you got to stop. You got to look at it and you go, okay. You know who either either we press pause and we come back tomorrow, or we reach out. You know to phone a friend and get the people on the phone that can can answer the question.
0: So, yeah, that's that's been my experience across the industry, from yeah. from the big players like Tate to even even small local AV companies. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they're good at what they do, they're they're going to help you out, and they know how to help you out. Um, as long as you're not always calling to say help. Um, <laughs> I don't always call Brian. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in case you guys haven't figured this this out, Brian is the local rep in my area. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so moving on. Um, Chris, as you alluded to earlier, there are a lot of of out-of-work stagehands right now. Technicians of a variety of skills and levels of expertise who are currently looking at least another few months of some really significant unemployment uh, and benefits ending all around the world. So a lot of these people are looking for work. Is this a possible avenue for them to move into?
3: It certainly is. I mean, uh, definitely from the standpoint of like what we did in New York, where we picked up you know local labor, and um, it was not local labor that are accustomed to construction sites, and so there there were some challenges there. We face kind of a, a unique situation with the construction sites that you know you you mentioned earlier that were were both kind of working under OSHA, but I would I would say, and I, I think Brian would agree with me that. When we're on a construction site, those OSHA standards are to the nth degree, much higher than now. That's not to say that there aren't some areas that production is is treated that way and and that it's as stringent, but by and large, it is much more stringent on a on a construction site than it is um, in a venue, um, and especially in the in the you know ongoing construction part of that with good reason there's an awful lot going on on a construction site and the uh one of the biggest things I was uh, talking uh with somebody about doing this and one of the things that I wanted to and I'm going to throw it in now you got to wear pants <laughs> you, you got to wear pants I mean, it sounds dumb but I can't tell you the number of production people that when I need them to go out on a construction site, that I, it, it's something that we had to, we had to add. You, you got to wear pants. You got to wear remove, boots. You, you got uh, to
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I get it. You know, I, I I lived in that production world for a long time before I, you know, sit where I am now. And and I hated wearing jeans. I never wore jeans. I wore shorts all the time. You know that. And that's what everybody does in the production side. But. That doesn't fly. I mean, you, you it's the quickest way to to torpedo your experience on a job site is to show up in shorts, you know, because the, the big part of that is not only can you not wear shorts, but that GC sets the, the rules for the site. That general contractor is, he's the master of that site. So it doesn't really matter what safety things you think you should do it really matters what that general contractor thinks you should do. So if his, a lot of times their requirements are more stringent than, than what we're accustomed to in other places, but we have to play by their rules or we don't get to play. So, and, and that, it, as Brian knows as well, having that general contractor and that electrical contractor, your friend on the site, instead of your enemy, it makes all the difference in the world. Yep. And that, that matters for, me as the person that's responsible, you know, Brian, that that we're responsible for getting the project done, that goes all the way down. You, you're going to have a much better experience on the job site if you're playing by the rules than if you're if you're out behind the porta potty trying to smoke a cigarette. You know, when
2: you know there's no smoking on the site. You know, so it I find, it's a different world. I find day one impressions on a new job site make up the rest of the job. Yep. Um, so when you've got new people coming in from the production side of things to work on their first construction site, you need to spend a great deal of time with them prior to arriving on that job site. So that day one on the job site doesn't get screwed up with the GC and the other contractors, which can sour the rest of the project. So, um, you know, what, what I find is, is interesting for people coming over from production, which I've got lots of those sorts of folks working here, um, is a lot of people, including myself back in the day, you get the high of doing a show from the live experience, the audience, uh, the feedback you get from the audience. And in systems integration, you don't really get that anymore. But what you do get is the satisfaction in knowing that you just enabled all of those live events to happen in the future, which is a little more, to me, interesting than just doing one show. I'm creating a facility that can do thousands of shows. And
0: pandemic, that's true.
2: Well, I mean, a lot of folks that have come here to work from production, last six months and then run screaming from the building with their hair on fire because they miss the live event experience. Yeah. They're great people. They're excellent at what they do. They just need that uh, interpersonal, inner people experience of a live event. And we as integrators rarely get that. Uh, and I'm okay with that because I got my weekends back for the most part, and I got my nights back for the most part uh, when I made this transition back in 1997. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, that's the biggest thing I find that's a hurdle moving from production to integration is, is there's no longer that live event, I'm going to call it a high, that you get in doing a live event. Would you agree with that, Chris? Chris? yeah
3: it definitely is i mean the we always joke about it from the standpoint of um you know for most of the production people the show's on january 22nd you know that's that's the day of the show that's when it's going to happen and 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 you're you're going to be done and you're going to move on and it's inevitable construction project that date moves. It is sometimes it moves, sometimes it doesn't move, but the job gets sideways and and you're still stuck trying to pull it out of the fire. But it's a very, very, uh, challenging, you know, when, I mean, there's projects that go on for three years. So you don't have that. Okay. We did the tech rehearsal. Now we did the show we've opened and we're running it. And it just it doesn't happen. You know, now, at the end of that project, to to Brian's point, it it is pretty amazing to to be able to see you know things. You see DVD shoots, or you see a video that somebody shot, or a movie that's been shot in the facility that you've worked on, or you you know you see those things. That it's like I was a part of that. You know, we built that, and and that's that's really cool, and. And it does make up for, you know, not getting each of those kind of daily, you know, we did another show, um, kind of thing, but it, but it's a, it's a very different world, um, on our side of it, you know, it's a blend between the two. And and there's a lot of times where we're in the trenches, you know, dealing with the production side of things, you know, once it's, it's open and all that and getting everybody up to speed and how to, how to operate and all that, because, sometimes we're down to the wire and you're doing that without as much time as you should, you know, doing the training and all that. So we, in those situations, we have people uh, on there to just make sure everything goes the way it's supposed to and, and that we are safe, um, so.
0: Awesome, so it sounds like it's the same but different. Uh, you don't get the crowd yelling. I like the crowd yelling not at me Uh, but I like the crowd yelling especially our last show before the pandemic here was we did a school show something like Amelia Bedelia I'm not sure but you know the house lights go down and the little kids "Ah, we haven't done anything yet and they're already super excited and very invested and I was really excited in that moment that that was the last show I knew we'd be doing for a while that I got to hear that adults unless they're Unless they're, uh, how should we say this? Most of the time, adults don't scream. Drunk, drunk.
1: is is that the word you're looking <laughs> for?
0: That? I was trying to, you know, lower <laughs> inhibitions, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, drunk probably. Uh, yeah. To, you know, you don't get a lot of that at, at your standard play orchestra, um, talking head, you name it. Uh, but drunk, yes, you get it at that. But th- those little kids, when they, they yell, when the lights go down, that's, that's part of why I keep doing this um, and why I've considered working for companies like Productions or Bandit and gone, I'm not ready to do that yet, I like the kids yelling. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and ask everybody if they have any last thoughts or anything that wants to close up this but before that if you guys want to get in touch with us uh, you can email at info at eventsafetyalliance.org please put podcasts in the subject line so we make sure that the email gets to us and we want to wish everybody a safe and happy and healthy thanksgiving Um, our summit is coming up in a couple weeks so this will probably be the last pod until uh, the end of the year Uh, but please if you have any interest or time, consider joining us at the summit. It's all virtual and you can find information about it at our website, which Steve, wanna give us the website?
1: Sure, it's eventsafetyalliance.org and that event safety summit, speaking of applause, there's your opportunity, for God's sake, because um, we're going to have a whole bunch of really interesting presentations, um, some by people that you know, um, some by new smart friends, and we've got a lot of them. We actually have a jam-packed schedule this year for the Event Safety Summit. So that is eventsafetyalliance.org, um, and the summit is December seven through eleven. Um, so it's after Thanksgiving, so you have plenty of time to sign up. Um, and as with everything else this year with the Event Safety Alliance, our summit is a cheap date. Um, we dramatically reduced our prices at the beginning of this pandemic, and we're sticking with that until we get out into the clear light of day on the other side. So, um, yeah, check us out for the Event Safety Summit and, you know, practice your applause because God knows we need it. These stinking live streams and webinars. We miss our audiences. We do anyway, you know, maybe Brian, you don't because you get your nights and weekends. But as for the rest of us, you know, we're pretty hard up for some applause and cheers. So, yes, dear podcast listener, um, please join us for the event safety summit. So there, that's my parting words. And,
0: and one last pitch um, in the words of well-known television programs, winter is coming. Uh, if you have not yet purchased your Event Safety Alliance face covering, uh, pretty high quality, definitely will keep you warm, help you prevent the spread of COVID, supports the ESA, all good things, uh, can get it at the website, which Steve has already mentioned.
1: Eventsafetyalliance.org. And I will add, wearing an Event Safety Alliance face covering shows not only that you are taking health and safety seriously, but that you're willing to represent people. Um, you know, by the design on your face, not a small thing. You know, hopefully, we are dealing with an environment where people are willing to take health and safety as seriously as they need to, so that you know we can stem the tide of this terrible pandemic. But showing your colors, we think, is a nice thing. So it's not just that we want your money; because that's a nice thing, but it's a pretty cheap yeah, face covering, also. Um,
0: we're not making it's, mortgage payments with that. We're really no, <laughs> no,
1: no one's sending their kids to college off of ESA face coverings, uh, but it's a useful thing both for your health and to send a message out into the world that you take health and safety seriously. So please consider investing in the ESA face covering.
0: All right, so final thoughts. Chris, I'm going to come to you first.
1: The one thing I would
3: say kind of along the lines of the, the construction side of things being very different um the days are very different uh from the standpoint of um you know construction starts at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning usually on the job sites and and we usually end up sometimes we we try to stay out of those hours so that we've got a uh easier time working on the job site but if you are locked into that by the gc that's what you've got to do and sometimes those days are long you don't have a bit, you know, for the for the road guys, the guys that are out on tour, you know, that that have a couple hours of uh, a hard time in the load in, and then they get to go to the bus for a few hours, and then do the show. You don't get to go to the bus for a few hours. There's no catering. There's, you know, it's just it. I just for me, it was something that, as you touched on about, you know, with the production staff and the the local labor and everything all clamoring for you know work and and rightfully so and i i think our side of things will continue to to operate and keep doing projects and we welcome people over to to help on those but they got to be ready for it too
0: those are those are excellent points brian
2: um, just thanks for the opportunity to share and uh wear your damn mask yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> wear your yeah. mask
0: Please. And Steve, <laughs> what final thoughts do you have for us?
1: Oh, I, I'm going to echo, wear your damn mask. Um, <laughs> you no, know, I, I, I'm sort of relentlessly optimistic about the world in general, but we are so close to getting out of this pandemic, getting back to work, you know, seeing people again. Um, I mean, man, we're so close, but, you know, the the line is, you know, the, the night is always darkest just before the dawn. Don't let the fact that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel dissuade you from doing the things right now that you need to do to be healthy and safe, because this is a dark time. It's going to get light soon, just for God's sake. Hold on. So, Yes wear your damn mask. That's a good parting thought.
0: All right, well, I'll make sure I say that at the end. Uh, I want to thank Brian Phillips of Productions Unlimited and Chris Barbie of Bandit Lights. Uh, thank you to Jacob, our world's most best editor, slash audio guy, slash he never talks on the podcast unless I really force him, um, for fixing all the ums and uhs and awkward pauses that I am the worst at of everybody that's ever been on the pod. A reminder, if you need to get in touch with us, info at eventsafetyalliance.org, podcast in the subject line. I want everybody to have a safe and healthy holiday. Please be safe out in the world. And yes, wear your damn mask.